welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Ryan Shaddy. And I'm Jeff Poling. On tonight's episode, we will have our featured music and we will be interviewing Jacques Razier. Um, uh, Jacques, um, he is a master's student studying sports broadcasting in the new media school at Indiana University. But first, it's WFHB's Fun Drive, and we're asking you to go to the phone right now and dial 812-323-1200 to become a WFHB member. You may also visit www.wfhb.org. Jeff and I have volunteered at the station for over two years now, and we want to spend some time telling you why it is so important to us. Right, Jeff? That's true. That's true, Ryan. Um, This is a really important thing for WFHB and um, for the community. This is a station that mirrors its community through cultural diversity, um, ideas, issues, and and. It's all brought to the public, to you, um, to to us, because you know we we are we are you. We are we are the listeners. We are we are doing this because we believe in the mission. The mission. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, WFHB exists to provide an open forum for the exchange and discussion of ideas and issues, and to celebrate and increase the local cultural diversity in this community. And there are so many opportunities for uh, people to get involved in cultural diversity in Bloomington, and it's a great way uh, to just continue to promote those, and that's what we at Blooming Out like to do. You know, we we don't have people uh, on the show like Jack and Draco or... um, or uh, 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 who do we Suzanne Westenhofer. Westenhofer. Just because we like listening to these folks, it's because uh, these folks are people that uh, you might not otherwise hear on any other station. Right, that's true. Especially the the LGBTQ voice, um, and and that also happens in music. Um, you don't hear enough of the artists unless you you know spend all day. Um, you know, on the internet, right? right? And 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 researching, it's not it's not brought to you. It's not brought to your ear, in in my opinion. Enough. It's it's not. And you know, here at WFHV, we envision a sustainable, diverse, uh, participatory multimedia service that contributes to an entertained, informed, and empowered community. I think that's really, really important. Well, that's stuff. our that's our vision. Yeah, that is th- exactly, and and it's really important stuff. Um, especially when you get out there and think of what we do each and every day for this show and then what uh, what people do for Interchange and all of the other news programs here on WFHB. Mm-hmm. It's a, a really important goal for, for us to be able to uh, bring you um, the music, the events calendars that we bring you, uh, and, and not only that, uh, our great uh, interview segments, um, one of which we have tonight in Jacques. So, right, right. Uh, getting that in there. Also, you know, it, it's our uh, board engineer Sarah's birthday today, so we want to wish her a very happy birthday. But on top of that, give a call in today and donate in her name. That's so, right. Uh, it's give, all for Sarah today. Give a Sarah a happy birthday donation. Um, 812-323-1200 or WFHB.org. So multiple ways for you to get involved. We want to hear those phones ringing today, tonight. Um, it's really important that, that we hear, we're supporting um, our community uh, by, by not only volunteering by, uh, like we do, but by giving our money as well. So uh, I hope that you spend some time joining us. Uh, we want to see those, those uh, lights flashing on those phones. What's uh what's something that really stands out to you Jeff about community radio? Well, it's not um something you're going to hear that is commercially, you know, uh sponsored, um bought and paid for, however you want to want to call it. Um it's not uh, it's not a businesses, it's not corporate um uh, funded. It's 
you know, it is the community. It is people who share the the ideas and the events and 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 within the community. It is so much a a, a part of of the community. And we want to give a shout out to Darlene Sadlier uh, for her gift. She gives because of Democracy Now. Great program. Our, exactly. Our music and our programming. So uh, thank you, Darlene, for your donation. And uh, we would be happy to take yours as well. Uh, we would be happy to announce some of your donations during the show. So please call in. Again, it's 812-323-1200. Or you can visit us on the web, wfhb.org. All right. Well, we are going to move into our interview for this evening, and we're going to be speaking with Jacques. Uh, Jacques Rosier is a master's student, and he's studying sports broadcasting in the New Media School at Indiana University. Uh, welcome, Jacques. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. And just a shout out to the school. It's a very beautiful building. If you ever get a chance to go in there, we're very proud to be in that new building. Yeah, and that's it, a brand new building. Well, it's not the building's not brand right, new, but the inside right. might as well be brand new with all might of the renovations well. that they did to it. Yes, it's got a huge screen. We had a watch party last week for IU's first mm-hmm. football game of the season. It was on the road, a victory against um, my alma mater, so I was a little conflicted in that <laughs> game, but I did not cheer against my Hoosiers. Um, <laughs> so we had a watch party there, so we enjoy that commons area. There's a brand new studio in there, and you know, it's it's a lot of things that are changing in the media school. So hopefully, we can put out some good journalism, some good sports stories, which is my field, you know, yeah. and, and get that really going over there for so, the school. Jacques, we've never really covered um, the topic of sports on Blooming Out before. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me why you were interested in coming on the show and, and talking about it? Uh, well, first of all, I like to talk. <laughs> that never hurts in situations <laughs> like this. But I do think that, you know, in, in so many changes that we have in our society, I think we underestimate how important sports has been to those changes. Arguably, there would be no integration if not for Jackie Robinson in baseball. And some people may make the argument that Jason Collins is the Jackie Robinson for LGBT for the LGBT community when it comes to athletics Mm -hmm. but you do have a long list of players who you know ran out and hit people or dribbled a ball up and down the court and they had to hide their sexuality you know from either their teammates or at the very least from the public and to me that's a little bit of a problem so it it's it comes from a lot of different areas it comes from the history of athletics in this country it comes from our definition of masculinity in this country so there are a lot of things that that this particular topic can dive down sure sure the um there there's so many different areas of of sports you know when you when you really start dissecting it um you know college um professional um the olympics um we've we've got you know when you start really thinking about it and 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 talking about um, the the sports community, it's it's enormous and it and it really does touch everyone. It it affects everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you what do you see that ha- is is has been happening or and and has been changing in in that in that world, especially um, referring to visibility of, of sports figures, what what's your take on on this? Well, first of all, for most most uh, fans of any types of sport, it happens when you're young. Mm-hmm. Same thing as what happens with pa- patriotism. It happens when you're young. So, dad might have taken you to a baseball game when you were young. Mom might have run track. Whatever the case may be, that's where it starts. So, we have some sort of a vested interest in it just because mom and dad or brother and sister did it. You followed your brother as he was a soccer player or something like that. So, that for most of us is our first exposure to sport. And then when you consider what we have come to now, when you've got the Twitter, the Facebook, the Snapchat, Snapchat, you know, Instagram, you can get on-demand sports at any time. It encourages people to learn something new. 
to follow their team 24-7. You know, not just is it at the water cooler, but it's on the phone. It's in the company email. You have uh, offices that do, you know, the NFL draft, the fantasy leagues that come up. I mean, it is it is something that has turned into a very integral part of our community, probably unlike in any other country. Uh, whereas a lot of other countries that have some sort of a sports interest it may be for one or two sports you know so soccer in brazil baseball in cuba and japan rugby in australia new zealand in america you've got all of those and you've got basketball you've got football you've got tennis you've got you know curling there is something for everyone and that's that's kind of what makes America great as well, because there's a something for everyone here. There's a sport for everyone. There's a culture for everyone. There's a music for everyone. There's a radio station for everyone. <laughs> you you play to a lot of different dynamics. Mm-hmm. Sure. Jacques, now speak a, a little bit about what you like to focus on. What areas and issues in sports uh, mo- most interest you? Now, my, my main area of focus is actually following college athletics. Uh, I do most of my research looking into the NCAA and how it operates. But as a member of the LGBTQ community, I also feel it's important that some of those underlying stories are told as well. Now, as far as my research when it comes to the NCAA, I I do feel that it is a lot of misinformation that comes into telling the NCAA story. I also feel that a lot of people draw their own conclusions, even when they are properly informed. But I also believe part of the problem is that the NCAA doesn't tell its own story as well. And to me, those same three issues are kind of what affects LGBT athletes as well. You know, a lot of us feel that we do have to maybe hide this or hide that. And what we're finding sometimes in a lot of studies is that in most cases in those locker rooms where we're told that, no, you can't be like this and we won't accept this in here. What we're finding in a lot of studies is that in the locker rooms, most of those athletes don't care. Mm hmm. As long as you can dribble that ball and make a shot when I need you to, as long as you can catch that pass or throw the ball, a lot of them don't care. I would think that as well. But what do we hear? It's it's mainstream media's version of it, rendition of it. They're you know it's like any other news story. They're going to go with the most um, outlandish, outland yeah, the the one that that makes everybody go, oh wow, oh my god. There's a uh, gay footballer, Michael Sam, in the locker room of of this NFL team. What are we going to do now? I think part of that too is you know we have reached. You know, and maybe this has been before my lifetime or during my lifetime, I'm not sure. But we've reached this idea where just because someone is attracted to a something, then they must be attracted to me. So there's a gay guy in the locker room. He likes men and I'm a man. And how do we think as men? Well, we think, well, for most guys, you know, if they see a woman, if you're a straight guy, if you see a woman, chances are there's probably going to be something about her that attracts you because she's a woman. So we automatically make that same relation to a gay guy. And it's not that simple because not every straight guy is attracted to every woman he sees and not every gay guy is attracted to every guy he sees. Yeah, good point. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, uh, for those athletes in the locker room, you know, I think for them, unfortunately, and this is a dynamic that goes outside of the locker rooms as well, it forces them to question their masculinity. But what they don't understand is my masculinity has nothing to do with your masculinity. And yours has nothing to do with mine. They don't affect each other. They don't intertwine. The only time they may intertwine is if you decide to, for them to intertwine and nothing before or after that. Right. And, and many people just don't see it that way. And, and that's, what that, you know, that's what the underlying issue is. Ten years ago, let me, let me do the math here, 12 years ago, when I was in high school, uh, I was the manager for football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, two or three of my best friends were, uh, were, you know, they were, uh, they were the, the jocks of, of my senior class and all of this. When they found out I was gay two years ago, they were like, why didn't you just tell us in high school? Mm-hmm. And that, was in, that would have been in 2002. And I come from a very, very small town in northern Indiana. You wouldn't expect that then. 
and I didn't expect that out of their mouth when um, I didn't expect that out of their mouth when when two years came around and they found out that I was gay. So, yeah, times are changing, but at the same time, uh, athletes are still closeted for a reason, and they stay closeted for a reason. What do you believe is that reason? Well, when you – and I'm, I might get a little long here, so indulge me just a little bit. When you look at the history of athletics, it's very masculine, and I think that's something that I've said all day here, or at least on, on, this, on, this, on this show so far. And that's where it is. People, people tune in to see the men of the men. When we tune in to see that football game, we want to see the men of the men. When we think about gladiators, we think of the men of the men. So that's part of it. And there is a belief that if we parade around something less than a man, then we're going to lose dollars somewhere. So we have to keep up this super testosterone enraged idea of what a man is and what represents a man. So a lot of uh, one of the big stories that has come up in the past couple of years is CTE, for example, in the NFL and concussions. And so now everyone is wondering, well, why is football so brutal? Well, part of that is you have to go back. Like I say, indulge me here. So pro football came from college football. College football evolved from soccer that became rugby, and then it became a form of uh, rugby that you can pass the ball forward. Okay. So in the early days of football, the American schools would play schools from Great Britain and get it handed to them. They would lose big time. And the assumption was, well, maybe the schools in Great Britain are stronger than we are. Maybe they're more masculine than we are. So then comes this whole brutal mentality. Well, we're just going to beat them up and down the field. And so that's some of where the mentality of roughness in American football comes from. It's the idea that we're just going to bowl them over and we're just going to out-muscle them. And we're going to be the strongest, biggest, baddest thing out there on the field. That's where some of that mentality comes from. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, you can argue that till the end of time. But <laughs> I, that's where some of that comes I from. I find that interesting. That, yeah, and, and, and I will be the first to admit, I am, I am not uh, knowledgeable <laughs> um, very much in the, in the sports arena. But... Um, I do find it interesting that that is one that that is that is what we see. That is that is, that's the visual perception um, with so many sports. But there is a lot of um, of uh, I'll say um, you know p- planning, um, uh, calculating. Um, you know what I'm what I'm trying to get at here. Um, a lot of strategy. A, a lot of of that that kind of thought process. It's not just the physical. It's not. It's not because when you look at, for example, and you know, for a moment, I'm going to take sexual orientation out of it, and I will just look at over the past couple of years. You may have seen a lot of people questioning the number of black athletes in the NBA, and the mm-hmm. chances of a non-black person making it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that the white player or the Asian player is a bad basketball player, mm-hmm. but what has our mental perception taught us that no matter how good that white or Asian basketball player is, he ain't as good as that black one. <laughs> right. And that's kind of sort of where we get into the, the talk about the gay athlete, for example. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Jack, we're going to continue this conversation because it's very, very interesting uh, here in just a few minutes. But we're going to go into our first music break. Um, the Black Eyed Peas are back with a brand new version of their 2003 smash hit, Where Is Love? The track has been given a completely new sound with a sample of Toto's Africa and a children's choir. It was produced in response to the string of tragedies and terrorist attacks that have struck the world this year. In a video message, that led him to bring the song back with a little help from Jesse J, Jaden Smith, Mary J. Blige, Nicole Scherzinger, N- uh, Lance Bass, Justin Timberlake, Max and Charlie Carver, and more. 
I remember when the Paris attack happened, people would say, we need where is the love again? Will I am explained. And then Belgium happened, and then Turkey, and then Orlando, and then Philando, and Alton before him, and then Dallas. Everyone was calling on us like, we need that song again. I hope the song inspires the millennial to go all out. Will I am ads. Scream from the tallest mountain. Care like your freedom depends on it. Pay attention like that is at risk. Here are the Black Eyed Peas with Where is the Love? Where is the love? People killing, people dying. Children hurting, I hear them crying. Can you practice what you preaching? Would you turn the other cheek again? Mama, 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 tell us what the hell is going on. Can't we all just get along? Father, 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 help us. It's a guidance from above. Cause people got me, got me questioning. Yeah, what's going on with the world, mama? Yeah, people living like they ain't got no mama. I think they're all distracted by the drama and attracted to the trauma, mama. I think they don't understand the concept or the meaning of karma Where's the love? Overseas, yeah, they're trying to stop terrorism Where's the love? Over here on the streets, the police shoot the people, put the bullets in them Where's the love? But if you only got love for your own race Where's the love? Then you're gonna leave space for others to discriminate And to discriminate only generates hate and when you hate, then you're bound to get irate Man, this is what you demonstrate And that's exactly how hate works and operates Man, we gotta set it straight Take control of your mind, just meditate And let your soul just gravitate To the love so the whole world celebrated People killing, people dying Children hurting, I hear them crying Policemen want me dead and gone. 
That election looking like a joke And the weed man still selling dope Somebody gotta give these niggas hope All he ever wanted was a smoke Said he can't breathe with his hands in the air When he ain't on the ground, died from a choke I feel the weight of the world on my shoulder As I'm getting We're back here uh, on Blooming Out this evening, and we're going to tell you a little bit of uh, the reasons why we think it's important uh, to to donate to WFHB here. Uh, if you would like to donate, go ahead and give us a call, 812-323-1200, or uh, donate online at WFHB.org. Uh, Sustaining donations come in monthly installments of at least $5. It is, an, it is important because it gives WFHB a predictable monthly income. We want, uh, we want this to happen uh, because it, we, we, need, uh, we need to have a, uh, a good number to know what our monthly budget is. So uh, if you can sustain, be a sustainable donor at $5 a month, that would be excellent for us. And uh, not to mention, Birthday Girl is going to join us right now, and she's going to talk about why uh, WFHB is important to her as not only our board engineer, but also the volunteer coordinator here at WFHB. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, yeah, hello, everybody. My name is Sarah Hedrick, and I am the board engineer for Blooming Out, aside from also a few other programs here on WFHB. Um, I've been involved with the station for about uh, three and a half years uh, combined in my time here, and uh, about two of those years I was involved with Blooming Out. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, over over those those several years, it's been a wonderful experience to, to see how important this type of program is to the community, how important it is to uh, people not only locally, uh, not only just in Indiana, not just in Bloomington, uh, but the LGBTQ community around the world. The fact is that this, uh, this station, this program, it really allows people to tell their story. And you know, having, having a story to tell is great, but having a community that supports that type of storytelling, supports hearing uh, you know, the 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 stories of, of people from all around the world we've interviewed uh so many different types of people on blooming out we've interviewed uh, musicians we mu interviewed comedians actors uh academics people doing studies about different aspects of intersectionality and and uh so many different stories to tell uh and they've all had a chance to come on blooming out and i think that's just an incredible opportunity but aside from them having a sounding board it's also important to have a community that is able to support blooming out and you know the station you know the very foundation physical building physical structures equipment all that sorts of things and having a community that's able to really show that support and how how important it is to them and kind of show their support for the the, the community is just incredible um and we would love to see uh, we would love to see our community, uh, not just in Bloomington, not just in Indiana, not just, you know, in the, the four block area where we are at the station where you can probably hear us the best and just walk right in and <laughs> donate now. Um, you know, we want to hear our community support us. So please, you know, send your support uh, to uh, uh, you can go to WFHP.org. You can donate online. Um, you can uh, come right up to the station. Uh, there's somebody out at the front desk and uh, you can also call us at 812-323-1200. Um, and you know, like I said, uh, aside from from my 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 job here with Blooming Out, it's it's also incredible to see that uh, as volunteer coordinator, I see so many people just kind of coming in uh, that may not know a lot about the station, but they want to be here. All of our volunteers want to be here. They, 163 people making the station run for 24/7, 365 is really an incredible feat. And Aside from that, like we we really could not do this without the support of the community. Um, aside from the people inside the building, it's also important to have support from the people outside of the building. Sarah, now you, um, well, what do you identify as your orientation? I identify as straight. Okay, you identify as straight on an LGBTQ plus radio show, mm -hmm. and you have made it a a uh, kind of it, it's not really a chore, but a mission of yours to be a part of be a part of us. Uh, tell listeners why it might be important for them to be uh, really a part of Blooming Out. Well, I think that, you know, like like a lot of a lot of news programs on WFHB and a lot of news programs at the station and a lot of, you know, news programs everywhere, it's incredibly important to have a voice and why why you'd want to be a part of Blooming Out. It's it's just 
it's it's very important to show that you know like you do support wfhb's mission you know it's a it's an open forum for cultural diversity it's an open forum for social diversity it's an open forum and it's a very democratically run organization but blooming out specifically i've got a very a very soft spot in my heart for blooming out because i've just been involved for so many years and uh there's just so many people um aside from you know who who is in the studio today ryan and jp and myself and and our and our wonderful guests you know there are people that have produced segments for us on their own time you know uh stormy dayhuff who is mm-hmm. a regular segment producer on the show in a, a a recent capacity and she's actually coming back and we we spoke to her a few weeks ago on the air uh she she thinks it's important to tell stories. She's, she thinks it's important to hear the coming out stories of people from around the community. And I also, I think that that's a very basic foundation of, of why we should be here, you know, to hear the stories of, you know, daily struggles of people, not just people that are part of a, a larger community, but people that are, you know, just, just here, just here around that have had, you know, experiences living in, in Indiana that may not have, you know, experiences that people elsewhere may also share. So I think it's it's very important to kind of have people know that uh, that that we can kind of support that, uh, not just in the studio, but also off the air. I think your story is so important to us, um, especially to our show, because uh, you, you went away for a while and mm-hmm. you came back and now you're stronger than ever. And, and I couldn't be more happy to have you on the show. Um, but you've given your time and your effort uh, to the show and now, we want you to give uh, some of your money to our show. So uh, <laughs> you don't have to give it to just Blooming Out. You have many other options, Democracy Now!, uh, Viva Bloomington. Um, you well, can do it in lump sum payment by credit card, che- check, or cash. Um, and there's also always the option to pay now, uh, to pay later, rather. Um, so pledge now, pay later. Give us your phone call, 812-323-1200 or Blooming Out. Uh, rather, wfhb.org. I-, I wanted to give our website. <laughs> we had, There'll be time for that later, don't worry. <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you for helping us out here. Yeah, glad to be here. Jacques, your, your, uh, Jacques, Jacques Rozier uh, rejoins us here on the show, and we're talking about uh, the LGBTQ uh, community in sports here on Blooming Out this evening. Um, Jacques, I wanted to get into something a little bit uh, and, and focus it more on the Big Ten and uh, also some Hoosier athletics here. Um, we start thinking about and, and looking at, uh, at least in the Big Ten, there have not been in the two major sports of football and basketball uh, any out male players. Now, uh, there have been quite a few closeted female players, and Indiana had an out um, women's basketball coach. Uh, but as far as players, it doesn't seem like we're getting to that point where uh, anybody has come out of the closet and said, hey, look, I'm in the Big Ten. I want to be that first person in the Big Ten to say, hey, I'm gay and stand up uh, and be that person. Well, I mean, it is it is a it is a growing tide. It is something that you more than likely will see. These things do take time. I mean, we're talking about um, just within the past one or two years, an openly gay basketball player on a college basketball team playing in the first, you know, the first uh, NCAA tournament. That just happened, you know, with the Seton Hall Pirates. You know, so when you think about the fact that we haven't had something like that happen in say a Big Ten or an ACC or the Pac-12 or something like that at the major sports. In my opinion sometimes that does come from management. There might be a little bit of a fear there. Sure. Um, but in addition to that, you know the kids themselves, that's, that's also slightly a, a, growing, a growing up curve that they have to address mm-hmm. as well but it's not that it's, it's not unheard of you have kickers at the d3 level who are openly gay the kicker at middle tennessee state there was a lineman at harvard there are players who are at the forefront of this movement to to sort of say hey you know it doesn't matter because i can still play the game what i have to to make a comment about regarding the college is who do they have as role models look at our professional 
look at our, you know, look at the professional teams and and what's happening or what hasn't happened. Who do they have to, you know, why would they why would they say, well, you know, that's that's working for them. Uh, you know, that's working out there. Um, I feel really comfortable. I should, you know, I should just come out and make sure everyone knows that I am who I am and all of that. Part of that, once again, goes back to, you know, you can make the argument that it's a management thing and it's a culture in the in the in the locker rooms. Um, but it's also a I want to have a career. So going back to the story of Derek Gordon, for example, if you talk to the guy, he wants to be in the NBA, wants to be in the NBA, has to go to the NBA. So, you know, he transfers to UMass, but UMass obviously isn't big enough. So he transfers to Seton Hall. And hopefully Seton Hall will be a jumping point to the NBA, but it hasn't been. So if I'm an athlete in high school or even in middle school and I'm looking at this and I'm looking at, you know, yeah, Jason Collins was actually a pretty good defensive player. And he came out maybe towards the end of his career, but, you know, still a very viable, you know, very decent defensive player. Can't get too many playing times and eventually has to retire too many playing minutes and eventually has to retire. You look at Michael Sam, who gets drafted, ends up being relegated to the practice squad and then off the team and, you know, bounces to another team and becomes on the practice squad now, there. Some had, have said about Michael Sam that he caused too much commotion and made it about him. That may or may not be true, um, but there are a lot of players who make a lot of commotion. That's right. And make it about That's them. That's right. It's, it mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference if you're LG, an LGBTQ athlete. They, they do make it. They make it a circus around them. Right. So and, he wouldn't have been the first one. Right. And, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, we're okay with dealing with the circle and the drama behind, you know, the athlete who maybe does too many drugs or has gone out and hit and killed somebody with his car or, you know, abuses women. But for some strange reason, when we've got the, the the gay guy in the locker room, well, that's the that's that's the one thing management doesn't know how to control. It's breaking news. You know, <laughs> that's the one thing. Well, we we don't know how to control this crazy situation. Is it that you don't know how to control it, or you don't want to control it? Well, I read a really interesting um, excerpt on Huffington Post, and it was regarding sports versus like the military. As far as, okay, so, you know, professional athletes, you know, this this particular person, this was a, a, a law pro, uh, professor, and she, she made the point, she's like, you know, professional athletes need to get some perspective. The rest of society has been working with openly gay and lesbian colleagues for a while. Even the military has managed to transition to open service without significant issues. Well, it goes back to that whole mindset of masculinity. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about our listeners. But for me, there are a few things much more masculine than somebody with a gun in his hand say, uh, protecting our country. But for some strange reason, the athlete feels that he has under a different type of masculinity. And that goes back into some of it is cultural. So when you look in the in the NFL and the NBA, some of those people have come from very religious backgrounds. They've come from small town backgrounds and that small town mentality and mindset. You know, that's what you grow up with. That's the only thing, you know, and that's what you're going to take with you as you go along. Some of that results in, you know, mismanagement of your money. But some of that also results in how your views about, you know, the LGBT community or even other minorities comes into play. Uh, we, we can't hide from how much religion and upbringing play, even a mindset in the locker room. Shaka, um, did you play any sports yourself? Uh, <laughs> I did play. Um, very good. Probably not. I, I did at least have a lot of heart. And... I will admit that for the teams that I did play for, um, no, I was I didn't feel that it was anyone's business. So um, if that is the mindset that our athletes are taking, I'm more than fine with that. But I also feel that that came from a place of rejection because of my own personal journey with, with being uh, a member of the LGBT community. So 
everyone does not have that same experience. Some people have, which which I, I'm quite confident this was the impetus behind Michael Sam coming out. When he did for his teammates, it was such a welcoming and loving and accepting community that you thought, why not? Right. That was the impression I got. Right. Because Missouri really embraced the fact they didn't they may not have broadcast it to the rest of the world. Right. But they certainly did not prevent Michael Sam from being who he was. And that ended up being uh, launching him to being the co-defensive player of the Southeastern Conference, which last time I heard wasn't too slough of a conference it wasn't when it comes to defense. Not at all. We have such an inclusive athletic director here at Indiana, and he has sent uh, he has sent his staff to every Indy Pride um in the last, I, I've got to do the math in my head once again, because I got that ball rolling myself uh, for the athletic department. But he has sent the the athletic department to, for, to every Indy Pride for at least the last five years. I think it's more. If I were to really want to do the math, I could, but I don't. Uh, so he he's, he is really all about making sure that uh, at least the fans are uh, feel welcome. And and we've tried Pride nights at football games and a few other. Uh, venues. It's now settled on women's basketball, uh, which is perfectly fine. Um, but you you get into thinking: are, Is there something that the coaches themselves might be doing to, that that might make the players feel like they have to stay in the closet? Statistics say that we, uh, in the last ten years or so, that we should have had at least one gay athlete, male. Mm-hmm. on either the football or the basketball team, at least one, and yet you still don't have any who have either come out afterwards or that have come out now. Are they hiding behind a fake girlfriend? Are they hiding because their coaches aren't inclusive, even though their athletic director is? What is going on here? Well, you know, it definitely starts at the top. And unlike in economics, there is a trickle-down effect. So these things do, you know, as I said about, you know, players coming out, unfortunately they do take time. One may make the argument that it's taken too much time because statistically speaking, one out of every ten men, at the very least, is is, is more than likely gay. And that means there are at least eight football players. Right. Right. Probably more, you know, maybe less. But at the very least, I think it's a safe assumption to say one or two members of our football team, and as many as eight, possibly more, are at the very least bisexual. I'll indulge the bisexual crowd on that. So the fact that they don't come out, if you've ever been in a locker room, uh Men say a lot of interesting things in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And there is no – you can't discredit the mob mentality, for example. So if everybody else is joking about how good it feels to be with a woman, then maybe I should just go along with it for now. And then, of course, you know, at the two-year reunion, the five-year reunion, the ten-year reunion, you may be doing one thing on your personal life. But when you're around the boys again, you sort of have to keep up that, that facade. And it's not that you're discouraging those who would like to come out. It's just that, you know, sticking with the mindset of that locker room and making sure that your boys have your back and there are no questions that are uncomfortable you know, questions about me and who I am coming up, that's a lot of times going to play a lot bigger factor than what the athletic director say or even the coach. Exactly. And and I just, you know, I, I think to myself every day, uh, we have such an inclusive school. It's in this wonderful community um, that has the one of the only LGBTQ radio stations in the Midwest. Uh, it, it, it's just absolutely astounding to me that the only out athletes that we have have been either in women's sports or on the swimming and diving team and maybe even a couple of track and filters that I haven't really seen come out. But the swimming and diving team all the time, they're they're perfectly fine uh, being out. So, Jacques, l- let me talk about discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's very much a part of what 
it goes on because discrimination does, of course, cause people to shy away. And when they see other people being discriminated against, they're they're not quite as likely to to step forward and and be who they are. And you know, so do you think that that um, that discrimination is is getting is getting better as an overall, you know, um, you know, situation in 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 sports. Is it getting worse? But is it more visible? What do you what do you see happening here? I, I'm talking about you know people um, yelling the f word. Um, you know, three letters, but wow, is that still an area where um, it is widely used? Well, I will say this much. Uh, when you're talking about discrimination, let's let's go into, say, a, a management side of it. So when you're talking about discrimination, uh, the major sports and even a lot of schools and, you know, the NCAA and things of that nature do have policies that prevent discrimination uh, based on sexual orientation. So on paper, it exists, but paper has never made a decision. Mm-hmm. Ink has never made a decision. People make decisions and people have to decide to enact them. People have to decide to change their mindsets. Is it getting better? Yes, it is definitely getting better. I do not see even five to ten years ago some of the transition that we have. For example, if you just look at the uh, bargaining agreement by the NFL in 2006, it didn't have anything about sexual orientation in its discrimination clause. But in 2011, it did. Mm hmm. So there is definitely a changing of the times. We are definitely getting better. But once again, it comes back to the people being willing to put these things in place. It's one thing to put the company culture on paper. It's one thing to say this is what we want to do. It's another thing for the people to actually do it and to believe in it. So, yes, it's definitely getting better. I I, I envision in the next couple of years uh, you probably will see more more athletes coming out and hopefully we'll see you know not that i'm encouraging them to but hopefully we'll see maybe some star player come out Mm -hmm. so that it sort of degrades that mentality that oh well you know they may be gay but they aren't even the best player so it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. sure you know and then you get the player well he's the star point guard on the number one team so what's your (laughs) theory again you know Mm -hmm. But it only takes one. It only takes one. It only takes one. Jacques, you have so much to add to this conversation that we didn't even get to tonight. We're going to have <laughs> to have you. We save this so often, and I, I'm almost absolutely sure we're going to get back to you Definitely. on the show. Thank you for joining us tonight, Jacques. Yeah, no problem. It was here. a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Your support is what brings you programs like Blooming Out. Our volunteer-based show and others like us on WFHB are an important asset to the community. Did you know that Blooming Out is one the only uh, LGBTQ plus news program in the state? I did know that, Ryan, yeah. and I love to tell people. That. I love oh, to tell. Yeah, it's it, right here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's so wonderful mm-hmm. to have Blooming Out here. Um, and on top of that, it's one of only a couple in the Midwest. I think there's only one in Chicago, and then we're it. So that's that's pretty amazing that's that right here in the state of Indiana. Uh, we have a resource like like Blooming Out. We provide you with in-depth interviews with people you may otherwise never hear about, hear from or about. That's why it's so important that you take time tonight to donate to our station. With your support of $10, $20, $50, $100, or even a sustaining donation, we can keep you entertained over the airways. Call in now to 812-323-1200 or visit us online at wfhb.org. It is so important uh, that, that we provide uh, all of this great music to you, all of the great interviews. Jacques was absolutely fantastic tonight. Jeff, why is it so important to donate to WFHB? Well, it is, it is a community that, is, that, you are, that you are fueling, that we are fueling. We are, we are telling the stories about one another. We are... 
we we don't have all day to to spend to to look up on the internet and and various posts and and things like that and find out you know who is who is doing what what the what the um what the latest um hot gay um song is right. and that's something that i particularly love to bring to the show i Speaking Think of that hot gay song, we <laughs> should probably get to that one. You want to? <laughs> Look, okay, uh, let's you know, do it. it. Again, it is so important for you uh, to donate, 812-323-1200. Uh, find us online, wfhb.org. Uh, Sia, Sia is the artist for her next music break this evening. Sia debuted the haunting video for her latest single, The Greatest, in honor of the lives lost in the June 12th mass shooting at Pulse Nightclub in Orlando. The video opens on the singer's frequent collaborator, 13-year-old Maddie Ziegler, standing amid a group of 49 still bodies in a block cell. As the music begins, the bodies rise and Ziegler breaks the group of young dancers out of the room. Once free, they explore the hallways and rooms of the dilapidated building where they've been trapped, while the lyrics, don't give up, I won't give up, I'm free to be the greatest, I'm alive, play in the background. The single marks the 40-year-old singer's first original material since January's This Is Acting. In addition to Ziegler, the song also features rapper Kendrick Lamar. Here is Sia with The Greatest. comes from the back door, downtown Bloomington Square's bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there is something for everyone every day of the week. 
More information can be found, or the back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. And, of course, more information can be found on Facebook or on their website, bckdoor.com. Jeff, thanks to great volunteers like you, we're able to ensure our listeners not only hear new and relevant hits uh, like like Sia's newest hit that she just had there or uh, the Black Eyed Peas, um, but but also those hits that you, they may never hear because of they're, they're a queer artist. And that's one of the reasons why uh, blooming out on WFHB is so important. It is. It is. It, it's something that's really important to me, um, not only news, um, that's breaking in the LGBTQ community, but music, songs, art, all kinds of media, everything that is going on um, is not covered by mainstream media. It's not covered by commercial radio. It It is not, um, you, you just may not hear it. And this is a movement. I, I know some people, you know, are tired of hearing that word, but we we have a movement it, going on, yeah. and and I like to to push it forward with music. I love being a part of WFHB, whether it's through um, whether it's through uh, volunteering with them or my monetary donation. It's it's an important part of this community, and I'm so happy uh, that it's here and as a resource, not only for me but as the com- uh, for the community as a whole. And if you want to get in on that, I would encourage you to pledge. Uh, Ten dollars, five dollars, whatever you can, whatever you can give, it is a perfect amount for us. And you can give us a call, eight one two three two three twelve hundred, or uh, you can donate online, wfhb.org. Now it's time for our, our LGBTQ uh, area event calendar. All right. Well, Sigma Pi Beta, I use only gay and allied. Fraternity will begin their rush process this week. You can contact the group at IU at sigmapibeta.org to find out what being a brother is like and find out more about their rush events. Lambda Legal will be having their 2016 Indiana Benefit on Friday, September 16th from 6.30 to 10.30 p.m. at the Indianapolis Central Library. They will have a festive party with cocktails, heavy hors d'oeuvres, and an open bar. For more information, contact Bryant Dunbar at 312-663-4413 or bdunbar at lambdalingle.org. Spencer Pride will be having their Community Center Grand Opening on September 17th. That's next weekend, September 17th and 18th. Saturday, the hours will be from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. And Sunday, 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. This two-day celebration will have complimentary refreshments, a gift shop with locally produced items, and the opportunity for you to learn more about their new facility. You can find more information on Facebook. The launch party for this year's Indie Bag Ladies bus tour is Saturday, September 24th. Enjoy brunch and performances and learn the theme for this year's tour. More information can be found on the Indie Pride Facebook page. The annual Disney-inspired Queer Cabaret will be held on two nights this year at the back door. It's their most magical show of the year, and this year it's twice the show. Two different casts will perform on Friday, September 24th, and Saturday, the 25th. Both shows will have big opening numbers and plenty of surprises throughout. Doors open at 9 p.m. with the show beginning at 11 p.m. The cost is $10 for one show or $15 for both if you buy them pre-sale. Tickets are limited. Visit the Back Doors Facebook page for more information. Sigma Phi Beta will participate in Bloomington's Out of the Darkness Walk to raise awareness and funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention on Sunday, October 2nd. If you would like to join the team in walking and or fundraising, contact Chapter President Bryant Hayes at bhayes1994 at gmail.com. And uh, that's a look at your LGBTQ calendar. We'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, please contact our volunteer coordinator at wfhb.org. If you'd like to add your event to our event calendar, please email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit 
our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. Board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. And one last time this evening, if you haven't had the chance to do so, please donate to WFHB today. We hope you enjoy our show and would love to have you as a supporter. Please call 812-323-1200 right now or donate online at WFHB.org. For Blooming Out and Jeff Pulling, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Tune in again next week at 6 p.m. or listen to us online at BloomingOut.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.